Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy or life-saving vaccine? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Take your hospitality tech brand international? Montgomery County, Maryland is where you can do all that and more. Use our ideal location next to D.C. Diverse world-class talent and our vast business resources to be the next company to make your mark and transform the world. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com. That's bnext.thinkmoco.com to learn how we can help you create something remarkable. Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County takes senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Welcome to the Fandrax Toolshed. If you love Dynasty Leagues and prospects, you came to the right place, because that's what this show is all about. Covering the majors and all levels of the minor leagues to give you the leg up in your Dynasty Leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, Dynasty and Prospect fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 24 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another great episode in store for you today, which is our first ever episode during MLB regular season game action, which we are ecstatic about. And with me, as always, from Fantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's up, bud? Hey, what's going on, man? Just excited baseball's back. Like you said, the first time that we are recording a podcast in the regular season. It seems crazy. It seems like we've been doing this for a while, but think back, we just started in November. So kind of nuts, but here we are. It's regular season. My Braves are 0-3. Things are great. <laughs> My Red Sox are 0-3 and just got absolutely swept and annihilated by the team I thought was going to lose 100 games this year and the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, it's been a, been a good start to the season for our teams. Come on, 0-6. Both offenses look like... I was actually watching the Braves game, the Braves-Phillies game, more than the Red Sox game because I was doing some errands. Somebody was able to put the you know TV on. Red Sox were down like 7 nothing. I'm like, you know, <laughs> like let's go watch the other game here. Let, let's put it on the Braves and the uh, and the Phillies, which was kind of a snooze fest for a bit. But F1 looked really good. Anderson looked pretty solid. The command was a little wonky at times, but uh, he looked pretty solid. But... Yeah, it was. Uh, I got a home run out of Travis Day Arnau for one of my teams. So that was the bright spot of that. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, plus, but yeah, not a great starts for either of our teams. And for my uh, people that listen to my, our bonus Patreon, any of you that are Patreon subscribers out there, I picked Atlanta to win the World Series. So my that prediction is off to a phenomenal start. <laughs> but hey, anyway, long way to go. Long way to go. We'll right, right. So we got 159 more games. We don't have 57 more games. We have 159 more thankfully full season here all right moving on here you can find us on twitter chris is at roto clegg i am at eric cross zero four and our show is at fantrax toolshed please subscribe to our podcast leave us a five-star review on itunes or on your preferred podcasting platform those ratings and reviews mean a lot and please check out our new patreon we offer a ton of good stuff in there including extra written content from both of us bonus podcasts private discord access access to our live prospect and dynasty rankings custom rankings, and much more. 
The live access to our rankings is a new perk we added this month. If you sign up for these 70 or 80 grade tiers, you'll have access to our rankings and see our updates when we make them without having to wait a month or so for on-site postings on Fantrax HQ. And now Chris and I both update ours multiple times weekly, making moves here and there. So you'll be able to see those when they happen and don't have to wait. This is one of the higher tiers that we have on Patreon. But you can sign up and get written uh, bonus written work and Discord access, plus more, for as little as $5 a month. Or if you just want to thank us and support Chris and I, you can do so for as little as $1 a month. Sign up at patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed. And make sure you check out all the other great podcast we have on the network including five tool sp streamer on campus kick around vanity hockey life and idp and check out all the great stuff we have going on over at fantrex hq daily we'll have at least two articles a week let's get right into this week's episode today we're going to discuss some prospects that have debuted this season some potential elite closures in the making and debate some rising talents that kind of play the same position a little bit of who you got uh, let's get right into it with the prospects that have either debuted or won jobs. Some of these guys did debut last year for a little bit, but we included some that you know won jobs out of spring training and might play some a role in fantasy here this year. But of course, we'll be focusing on their dynasty value. But let's start with the big one out of the group we have listed here on our outline: Andrew Vaughn, the White Sox. Thankfully, kind of gave the giant middle finger to service time and carried Vaughn on the opening day roster. But LaRusso's only played him in one out of the first three games, which is kind of a bummer. But we're focusing on long-term here. And, Chris, long-term, how good do you think Vaughn can be? Like we, everyone knows that Vaughn's a very good hit, hitter, very elite prospect, top 10 on most lists. But just how good do you think Vaughn can be long-term? Well, I think he can be, like, one of the top first basemen in the game. He's that talented, in my opinion. But they've got to give him a chance. And I... That's my concern and frustration is with Eloy going down, they were like, we're going to give him a shot in left field. It seemed natural that he would fit in either at DH position or in left field for that matter. I mean, we know Jose Abreu at first base for now, but I mean, give the guy a shot. Let him play. Like, let's not let him sit on the bench. That's frustrating. And it's stunning his development. Like, you might as well just send him to the outside if you're not going to play. But I don't know. I really think that we, when we look at guys like Vaughn and, and Torkelson, like I think you can probably flip a coin. They're both extremely talented. Vaughn probably has – he'll give you less power than Torque, but he might give you a better batting average. And yeah. you, you look at the lineup he's in, I mean, the White Sox lineup should be deadly for years to come. So he's going to hit probably right in the middle of that order. And you know, that's a great spot to be for him. Uh, Torque obviously gives you a little more power, so that's why I still have Torque ahead of Vaughn in my prospect rankings. But I mean, I do think that he's a guy that will push maybe 30 home runs, and you, he may have seasons where he hits 290 at 300. He's got great OBP skills, so if you play in an OBP league, he gets a nice little bump there. He's going to be on base a lot, he's going to score a ton of runs, like I mentioned, that lineup, drive in a ton as well, and the power's legit. Like, I think people look at his uh, minor league debut and saw a few struggles, but you know I look past that. It wasn't very long. And I look at the whole picture of what he's done. Like he was one of the most polished college hitters in like the last decade. Extremely talented. I have no worries about him. I think this year with with a chance to play, I think he'd give you twenty home runs and potentially like a two sixty average just this season. He's still young. We know he just turned twenty three. So long term in dynasty. Like it, it's a great time to buy, especially if he sits the bench for a couple more weeks. People may be kind of fading him, you know, which be nuts to do, but you, you never know. So give him, give, give the owner a shout out and see if you can get him on the cheap, man, because 
Vaughn's legit. So I'm, I'm all over that. April is the, you know, prime month for overreactions. We always know that with the start of every season, people playing, not playing. And like the White Sox is a great example. Like Yerman Mercedes coming out of absolutely nowhere and had like eight hits in the first nine at bats or something like that, which I'm sure will send people going crazy to the fab in about an hour from now. But yeah, you know, with Vaughn, I already have Vaughn ninth in my dynasty rankings amongst first basemen. Uh, the only the eight ahead of him going up from eight to one, DJ LeMahieu, Jose Abreu, Spencer Torkelson, Pete Alonzo, Kesson Hiria, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Freddie Freeman, and Cody Bellinger. And I don't think it's going to be long before he probably overtakes Abreu and LeMahieu in my rankings just because they're both getting into their mid-30s now, but obviously both still very good hitters. But, you know, obviously age factors in, and, he, and Vaughn is a good decade to 12 years younger than both of those guys. So I can see him kind of slotting in behind Torque by midseason or end of season here. And yeah, he so that puts him already in seventh. And I, I guess I like him more. I think long term, he'll he's probably a better bet than Pete Alonzo, I think, especially if Alonzo's not gonna hit for much average. Obviously, Alonzo will have more power, but I think he can get right up there, you know, right in that second tier. I think the first tier is pretty locked in for right now. Bellinger, Freeman, Guerrero for me. And that second tier is probably gonna be here if he can bounce back along with Torque. And Vaughn, and you know, maybe maybe Tristan Cassis up there down the road, but not yet. So I think he can definitely get into that second tier. And like you said, you know, comparing him to Torque, you know, probably more average there, maybe a little less power. But you know, 30, 330 guys don't grow on trees. And he he sixty hit, sixty power. He had more walks and strikeouts in college. You know, I think the floor here is probably like two seventy five and twenty home runs. Like that's the floor I think with with Andrew Vaughn and the upside is, you know, 330 home runs a season. That's definitely in play. Um, yeah. So I wish they would play him. I don't think Tony LaRusso is the right person to be managing this Chicago White Sox team. I used to love LaRusso as a manager back in the day. Then he had a year, uh, decade gap, I should say in between managing gigs. I just don't, I think the game has passed him by. I think he's too old school now to manage, especially manage a young up and coming team with a lot of young talent, like the White Sox do. So and maybe he's only there for a year or two, probably is. But, yeah, Vaughn is definitely a definite potential first base, uh, top five first baseman long term. And moving on here to a guy that's a very, very different player from Andrew Vaughn. But won the second base gig down there in Miami over Isan Diaz, which is not really that hard because I'm not <laughs> I'm not high on Isan Diaz at all. I think he's a backup or, you know, a depth guy long term. But Jazz Chisholm. You know, impressed during spring training, and especially with the power and speed. Uh, he slashed 268, 333, 488 in the spring with three home runs and four steals. Did get caught two times. Now, obviously, like I mentioned, he's a very different type of overall player offensively than Andrew Vaughn. I think there's plus power here, above average to plus speed, but with a 40-grade hit tool or so, which is why his average fluctuated from 281 248 to 272 to 220 in his four minor league seasons with a 30 plus percent K rate basically along the way 30.1 percent total 30.6 percent in the major leagues last year in 62 plate appearances but you know you got to love that power speed right like he's a, he's mostly a pole, pole hitter elevates well um, fly ball rate has been above 40 well above 40 percent since the start of 2019 kind of so in double a and into the major leagues over the last you know year and a half or so so I think the power speed's legit. I think he could flirt 25 or so home runs, 15 to 20 steals annually. 
but how much is he gonna hit right so i know you've you've kind of dropped down your rankings right with and i think we both have just because of that hit tool concerns but i think as long as he hits 250 which i don't think is too crazy of an expectation for him i think that power speed, speed could play and he could be a uh, back end top 10 second baseman you know or you know if he's a shortstop probably back end starting so maybe 14 15 range what, what do you think what are your thoughts on jazz yeah, I mean, I think he definitely plays up in OBP league, so I haven't really dropped him there. But in like a regular batting average league, he, you definitely have to to give him a little ding. Just thinking about, I mean, he strikes out a ton. There's huge whiff rates. The power speed's hard to deny. I mean, he's already stolen two bases this year. You know, he's a lot of fun to watch. He's you know, just crazy. He's got the blue hair going on. He he's rocking it, man. <laughs> blue you hair know, don't he, care. Right. He wants to <laughs> succeed. Like, you know, he has the swagger that you want to see in a player. And right. so I hope he succeeds. I think that, like you said, this year, even it wouldn't surprise me if he approached like 18, 20 home runs, stole 10 plus bags. But long term, I, I do think there's more in the tank. It's just a question of can he hit enough to get there? Like, is it possible for him to hit that much? I don't know. I think that maybe a 250 average is reasonable long term. Hard to say it's not you know i mean that's that's not a hard threshold to hit right but, you know if he does i think that's enough contact you know he can he can still post those high strikeout rates and manage to hit 250 so you know if, if he's making enough contact to hit 250 i think there's 20 plus home run power in the tank and then you throw in that speed's intriguing as well so you know 15 steals is definitely reasonable so the second base position that's going to play up really well and you know, it, it's going to be the early season. We're going to see like people are going to either be all over him or be out on him. It's, I don't think there's much in between at this point. So, you know, either creates a good selling or buying opportunity for you. Honestly, like if he takes off, you might could sell high or if he's struggling, you could really buy low. Cause I think there, you know, there is stuff to like. And especially like I mentioned, if you're in an OBP league, he definitely plays up a lot. Like he's going to post high OBPs. He walks at a con- considerably high rate, you know, looking at, you know, 10 plus percent probably. And so I like what he has to offer, especially at the second base. So yeah, he's a guy I'm buying right now, but you know, there are concerns. Just know that there's concerns <laughs> with the hit tool and, and the potential to post high strikeout rates. Yeah. He's basically a poor man's Luis Robert. I think, you know, less, you know, same kind of approach issues, you know, less power and speed, but still an intriguing power speed blend. Yeah, it's to be very interesting to see how he, you know, kind of plays early on the season. Like you mentioned, if he gets off to a hot start, I would 100, not even a hot start, decent start, like 260, 270, a little bit of power speed, just enough to show like, all right, he's not terrible right now. I would 100% be selling high on him just because of the hit tool and the approach concerns because, you know, there's going to be plenty of peaks and valleys. So if he starts off on a peak this year, I would 100% be trying to sell so I think that you know there's gonna be a lot more valleys than peaks with him, but yeah, let's get up to 250. And I think yes, like you mentioned that's not hard to do, especially when you have that type of speed and you know he's a, he's gonna make hard contact. He's shown he, he can do that, and that usually equates to a little bit of a higher BABIP and keeps the average higher than maybe it should. So I, I think 250 is definitely in play for him. So definitely it'll be interesting to see how he develops this year because he's very very intriguing with that power speed from second base, and so even even it even if he moves back to short, which I think is a possibility, you know, it's, it's not quite as intriguing there, but I think it's still, I, I hope he stays at second base because that'd be a very intriguing skill set there. Moving out to the outfield here, 
over in so we, we have a couple guys here taylor Tremel and kyle isbell in seattle and in kansas city which one are you higher on long term here are you, are you more of a Tremel guy or an isbell guy because i used to be and i'm still very high in Tremel. not very high i'm still high on Tremel, but you know when i really dug into isbell more you know i was like why do i have why do they have them in such a big gap in my rankings? And I don't know if, if Jake Devereaux listened to this, he's going to be like, ha ha, I told you. He was, he was telling me to move as well up my rankings last year. But they have kind of similar skill sets. And Isbell might even have more power. So I think Isbell kind of, if he was a little bit younger, if he's, you know, he's 24, it's not super old for a prospect, but he's not like the flashy 20, 21 year old. And if he was in the, any org besides Kansas City, I think Kansas City prospects just, you know, especially on the hitting side of things, don't get hyped up as much as in other systems. So I think if he's in a better system, you know, maybe a year or two younger, I think Isabel would get a lot more love. But there's a lot to like there in his profile. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think they're very similar profiles, honestly. And Tremel, you mentioned age. Tremel's almost, I mean, he's 23 and a half. So he's not right. like he's that much younger of a prospect. And, you know, I've always been high on Tremel, but I think, again, like you mentioned, I probably underrated Isbell a little bit. I think that he's, you know, better than I gave him credit for. And I look at both skill sets and see guys that, you know, could hit 260, 270, uh, 15 plus home runs and probably steal you 20 bags. So uh, both guys, I think, you know, play a similar skill set there. You know, will Isbell play some second base and keep that eligibility? Because if he does, like that gives him the edge for me. You know, Tramiel's just going to be an outfielder. But if if Isbell plays, you know, second and outfield, dual position eligibility plus second base. Like anytime we're looking at a position like that, that, you know, doesn't have a lot of stars that, you know, you can get some value from. I think that really plays up. So, yeah, I, I agree. I don't, I don't see that much difference in these players. And, you know, I look at Tremel, who I've been had in like my 50 to 75 range of prospects for some while. And I you know, look at Isbell, who's so much lower. And I, you know, you question why. And so I have to agree there. I think that, you know, he definitely deserves to be bumped and, uh, I could see similar players, you know, in the, for the foreseeable future, at least. Yeah, like, c- comparing the two, I think speed-wise, they're pretty close. I'd have them both at right around plus speed. Isbell seemed to want to run a bit more. He had 35 steals in 123 games. He's caught 10 times. Tramel had 110 steals in 426 games. He's caught 37 times. Yeah, I definitely think Isbell has this edge in power a little bit. Not huge edge, but I think he could be around 50 power long term. You know, like maybe 15, 16, 17 home runs, like mid-teens. Tremel is probably that minus five or so. I think he'll be like 10 to ten to 13 or 14 or so. Maybe peak at 15. Isbell could, you know, get up near 20 at peak. But and then they break down the hit tools here. I think contact skills-wise, I think Isabel is slightly ahead of Tremel, though it's basically equal. Tremel does walk a bit more. He's always had high, higher walk rates in the minor leagues. So uh, 12.2% total. That's why he was able to have a 363 OBP with this 270 average. So, yeah, they're very close. I think you, you hit it on the head where it, has, it comes down to the position. If they're both outfielders, I think it comes down to, like, average league might be uh, – Isbell on base might be Tremel, but if Isbell is adding second base eligibility, that's a, that's a huge thing, right? Like you, you mentioned, that definitely adds a lot of intrigue to Isbell's. So I, I'm intrigued by both long term just because they both can provide speed, a little bit, of, you know, a little bit of power, solid averages. I don't think they're either 
one are going to be stars long term. None are going to be like, even if Isbell second base, I don't think he's like a top 10 second baseman long term. He's probably like a guy maybe you can put it in your middle infield slot or something like that for outfield purposes. Maybe these guys are like, you know, top 60 to 70 outfielders or something like that. But both very solid assets long term. Yeah. I think you can, you know, at least for Isbell, like if you want to go out and target one of these two guys in Dynasty, I think you can get both for a reasonable price right now, especially with, you know, Tramel coming off his down 2019 season where he just was just worse across the board. You can get both for a reasonable price, but probably even more so Isbell because he never had the high prospect pedigree. Like Tramel at one point in time was a top 25 prospect on several publications, including you know, my own. I had, a, I remember I had him, I think I peaked with Tramel at like 2021 or so. Uh, so definitely has fallen, but still has like that, Former top prospect pedigree still was in a lot of top 100s this year. Isbell was not on many that I saw, so both good dynasty targets right now. But definitely Isbell. I think you, yeah. you can get him for sneaky good. Yeah, Yumbo. and here's a here's who Tramel reminds me of. It's Brett Gardner a little bit. They play good hmm. defense. They post good OBP numbers. But Brett Gardner, you know, was he ever like a big like fantasy? stud he never really was i mean no. obviously in 2019 at 35 years old you know he had 28 home runs but that was like such a career outlier but you look at like you know he had seasons where he would hit between like 10 to 20 home runs and he'd steal you 20 bags and he'd hit like 260 with a good obp he was always so, there like, he right. was always fantasy relevant yeah you said right. never uh guy you build your team around or take top 100 but he was always there like you know oh i need another outfielder oh look brett gardner's there i'll take brett gardner he's solid right yeah i, I can see that with termel absolutely yeah i don't yeah. i don't think termel's gonna be a star but and he termel is just one of those guys you root for you, you like you mentioned with jazz you know, and i think termel kind of fits in this mold as well just the the joy that you see these two guys play the game with you kind of root for those guys right they guys just love playing the game have that high energy so they, they lay it all up there on the field so I, you know, Tremel is a great athlete. So he's he's a phenomenal athlete. You always got to bet on these guys. So definitely both kind of sneaky good targets in dynasty leagues for sure. Now heading back for the two more in the infield here, uh, Jonathan India made the opening day roster for the Reds because they really needed the infielder. Or let me put this away. They needed the shortstop so badly they moved a. Me, I don't know if I'd even call Suarez a decent defender at third. Probably a <laughs> below average defender at third. Over to short, which has been atrocious so far. You know, surprise, surprise. But they, they, so they need to fill third base, you know, and then their info spots. They brought up India. India is another one that, you know, he's kind of fallen down a lot of prospect rankings. You know, he was a former, what was he number, he went number two overall? Five. Tw- oh, five overall in 2018 out of the University of Florida. But he never really, you know, this is kind of the thing knocking him in the draft as well. He never really excelled in any wooden bat format, right? He, he excelled at Florida with metal bats, but, you know, his years in the Cape Cod League never did too well, and that's got to carry it over. Like, he's been all right in the minor leagues. You know, minors 254, 369, 410 slash. He almost kind of is like the Tremel of the infield, where he <laughs> give you, you know, a little bit of pop. I think he has a little more pop than Tremel does. Maybe India is like a 15-15 type of guy, maybe a little bit more, but, you know, I'd say maybe slightly below average contact skills. Like maybe I think he's a 260 ish hitter, but was always walked at a high clip. What well over 10% in the minor leagues. So he had a 369 OBP with a, only a 254 average. So he walked 87 times in 696 plate appearances. 
this does a little bit of everything well. He can provide you solid speed from potentially from the third base position, which is where you don't really get a lot of speed. So kind of like a lesser version of John, of uh, Brian Hayes, where it's like take away a little bit of the hit tool, a little bit of the power, a little bit of the speed. Maybe the speed somewhere, but you know. So I think he can be maybe a back end option, but he's not anyone I'm overly excited about. A little bit more excited about him in OBP leagues, but. I don't know. I I don't think there's a lot of excitement there for India. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? No, I mean, he he's looked decent so far, which is has been a plus. I mean, he's had five hits so far this season, which you know, that's a good start, you know, five hits and 12 tries. Uh, it's a small sample, but at least it's something that you're seeing some production already. Yeah, I mentioned, I don't know. I think that there's 15 home run power, maybe could steal you 10 bags. Which is nothing flashy. I just don't see a lot of flashiness here. I don't see him hitting for a high average either. So I don't know. I I, I want to root for the guy. It's like a guy, another guy. It's like you hope succeeds, but it's like I don't know. I don't really see it. There was reports that the power had improved at the alternate site last year mm. and that he had looked more polished. So if that's true and like we see it sticking in game, then you know those things are a huge plus. Like you know, increased bat speed was a big thing. He was hitting the ball all over the park apparently. But again, like what quality of pitcher was he facing there? Like he wasn't facing a super high quality of pitcher either. And so it, it's, it's hard to say for sure, but you know, he's got a good feel to hit, you know, the decent speed. So if the power does play up, I think that, you know, he could be a 20 home run bat, which would be interesting. You know, again, we, we see a guy that plays second base. So, you know, he's going to be over there second, maybe have third eligibility and he gives you, 20 home runs, 10 stolen bases. And like you say, he's like a Cabrian Hayes with, without the batting average, basically, in my opinion. So there, there's some intrigue. You know, you want him to succeed, but yeah, we'll see. Give me some, some back-end value. Now, let me ask you this, because I think the last three guys we've talked about are all generally in the same ballpark for value. How would you rank these last three? Isabel, India, and Tramel Long-Term. Like five years from now, who's drafted first through third, or highest, second highest, and third highest out of these three? Ugh. Huh. We just talking like a standard five by five league, right? Yeah. All right. I don't know. I think I'm gonna go off the cusp and say Isabel Tremel India. I think I'm with you. I think that's that's the first order I had in my head. Yeah. Maybe maybe India up the second. I don't know. It's because of the infield eligible, you know, eligibility, maybe dual eligibility, like, like you were alluding to. But yeah, I think I do like Isabel the most, which is funny because he's the one I rank the lowest yeah, right same prospect here. rankings like sure which was right which was you know on me i should rank them higher so um one last person here who i don't think has a lot of value this year i think he's only up temporarily from the sounds of it but has some intrigue long term Geraldo perdomo just got called up uh for the years when diamondbacks kind of fill in for nick ahmed well he's out for the next few weeks it sounds like perdomo's interesting right he's kind of like high floor he's not a super sexy option never was you know elite prospect but has some tools that could get him some fantasy relevance i think so you know he's first off he's a good defender you know so that always plays and he's gonna get more playing time than you know he would if he wasn't a good defender they'll keep him in the lineup even when he's struggling but with him it's the hit tool and the speed above average contact skills plus speed doesn't have much power though. Yeah, so that's the thing. He has eight homers combined in 236 games. I think there's potential for more on the tank, but how much more? 
I think 10 to 12 home runs a year is his absolute ceiling. I think he's more like a six to eight homer guy, but I think there could be some sneaky 20 plus stolen base speed. He's got should have a good on base. Hit a four, he has a 411 on base in the minor leagues and has more walks than strikeouts. So the approach is great. Context goes are solid. So I think there's some solid. He could be kind of like Madrigal at short, but with a little less average, but a little more OBP. So I guess if you're an OBP, you could you, he'd have more value than Madrigal there potentially. But similar profiles, I think. How high, are you high on Perdomo? How, oh, what do you yeah. think? We think on him. I, I think he grows into some power, man. I really do. He I mean, he's 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 six foot three, one eighty five. I think there's a frame to add power. Like he's got the Ronnie Mauricio type frame where everybody dreams on Mauricio's power. So, you know, I'm a little lower on Mauricio from that standpoint. If he hasn't shown it, but man, I don't know. Perdomo, like you mentioned, he's got a great approach. The OBP is good. The walks. Walks more than he strikes out. That's really huge. You know, he's good in the field as well. I think he can get to 15 to 20 home runs. Might might be crazy, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he does. And, you know, he's probably an above average runner as well. So I'm kind of intrigued, like, especially in OBP league, like you mentioned. Like, he's like a borderline top 50 prospect for me in OBP formats. Uh, obviously a little lower if we're talking like a standard 5 by 5 league. But the OBP skills are really really good and so i don't know maybe i'm wrong but i definitely think there's some power to grow into here and you know if he can hit 15 20 bombs and steal you you 10 to 15 bags with a real good obp i mean again it's not flashy but it's pretty solid now i'm not expecting a whole lot this year like i think that he's probably up and fills the spot until you know they get some guys back and then they probably send him back down but i mean i'm just impressed they called him up i mean he's he's still fairly young and so to call him up, I mean, he just turned 21 recently. So, you know, I, I like that they were willing to, again, you know, buck the service time stuff and, and bring him up and give him a chance. Like, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how he plays. So I'm excited to watch him because I do really like the skill set. Yeah, I had him as a 2022 ETA on my spreadsheet. So it did surprise me a little bit. You know, obviously, he had some time on the alt site last year, but hadn't played above, you know, Class A Advanced 2019. So I didn't, and he didn't get a lot of time there. Either he only has about 100 and was it 160 or so games above rookie ball, so I didn't think he was going to be up this year. But and he's one of those advanced, you know, types of, types of hitters that all right. When you think about it, it, doesn't surprise me too too much. Even even though I did have a 2022 ETA on him, see, you think his power kind of develops further than I do, which I think is possible. I definitely agree that there is some projection there on that frame, and we'll see. Like I think you kind of predicted him to be a little bit lower on the speed side than I did. You know, for, for one, he needs to be better, like more efficient on the base pass, right? He's been caught 27 times in 93 attempts. That's not great. It's not terrible, but it's not great. But he was only successful on two-thirds of his attempts in 2019, 26 out of 39, which when you're below 70%, if you can keep it in the mid-70% range, 75-ish, which I think was right where Taylor Trammell is for his minor league career, that's all right. But once you get below 70 you gotta start wondering, are you gonna get the green light as often? And you gotta wonder if he does add some some bulk to that frame, how does that affect the speed? So definitely something definitely a profile to like here. Again, not one that he kind of fits in with the rest of the guys we talked about outside of Andrew Vaughn, where probably not a star in the making, but a lot of these guys could be, you know, serviceable fantasy options in the next few years and you know, some sooner than that. I think 
I think India is probably up for good if he if he hits. I think same thing with Isabel um, and Jazz Chisholm. Tremel will see. They got a glutton of outfielders. Who knows when when Kellenick's ready? When Lewis is you know ready to come back? If they send Tremel back down, probably will depend on how he's looking. But a lot of intriguing fantasy value here. Just not really star power. Uh, a couple other pitchers here that I want to talk about. Both made their debuts last year but both were not guaranteed rotation spots coming out of spring training this year, both for one, for one reason or another, got rotation spots, uh, Trevor Rogers, because he dominated and Tanner Houck because Erod wasn't ready to start the season. Which one of these arms are you higher on long-term Chris? You higher on Trevor Rogers or are you higher on Tanner Houck? I like both. I really do. But, you know, honestly, what I saw from Rogers this spring leads me to push him a little higher. Yeah. You know, I'm, Definitely intrigued by what he's capable of doing. I mean, I think the strikeout skills are there more than people gave him credit for, and he looks like he's ready to take the next step. And so I like Rodgers. I like really like what I saw. The Velo was up a little bit this spring. And you know, I think, again, another guy that I kind of missed on as a prospect. And, you know, the hype's crazy right now, you know, it's out of control, so you're not going to get them for cheap. You can probably get Hauk much cheaper, but you know I do really like what Rogers has to offer and Hauk as well. You know he's Hauk's slider is just you know, downright filthy. Oh, so yeah, you know, it's that's, that's disgusting. Watching him the other day, and I already knew he had a filthy slider, but just oh, I think this is a beaut. I, I love I love the action on his slider. It's almost like Chris Sale from the right side with that slider. And that's not that's not a Chris Sale comp. Let me get that out there. For somebody's like, oh, Eric, Eric comp Tanner Houck to Chris Sale. I did not. Just a slider. The slider's really good. Right. <laughs> but yeah, you know, with Tanner Houck, you know, I think I have Houck ranked a little higher. Maybe that's my Red Sox bias, but Rogers has really impressed me as well. I think both are pretty close long term for value wise. Again, they're kind of like the pitching versions of the guys we've been talking about, where I don't think either one develop into an early round fantasy pitcher, you know, nobody, they're not going to be your SP three, but you know, SP five, four, five, six, I think is possible. These guys, I think, well, I agree with you that Rogers strikeout ability is kind of an underrated. I think Hauk will have the edge in strikeouts, but I think Rogers is a little more, more polished, probably keeps the ratios a bit lower. Um, so I like, I like both of them. I'd probably give the slight edge to Tanner Hauk, um, but Rogers is really, really impressed. He's looked really, really good in spring training. So he's definitely flying up my list. I had ranked him too low. Again, you know, we always we gotta admit when we were, you know, wrong on guys or ranked them too low. And I have corrected my Trevor Rogers ranking as I did with my Kyle Isbell ranking too. So that's gonna wrap up this segment here. We'll go right into a break, come back and talk some intriguing relief pitchers. A little bit of Victor Robles and finish off with a lot of who you got where we're debating similar players. So stick with us. Montgomery County, Maryland is where businesses go to be next. Home to a highly skilled, diverse workforce, a thriving business community, competitive incentives, and more. MoCo will help transform your business. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how we can help you be next. All right. Welcome back from the break. Getting into some relief pitcher talk here, which, you know, isn't the sexiest for Dynasty Leagues, as we know. I think both Chris and I have stressed not to overpay for relievers, but there's two guys that are really intriguing to talk about here. One just got named the kind of leader in the clubhouse for for saves in St. Louis with Alex Reyes, 
And Michael Kopech has been put in the bullpen for now. Maybe that doesn't stick, but I think Kopech long-term, if I had to place $100 on my own money, I think he might end up as a reliever. Because you look at, Wade Tech's already have a lot of good pitching options right now. That they're not hurting for a starter. His stuff would look absolutely filthy in the bullpen. That triple digits heat, big breaking ball, potential double plus breaking ball. And same thing with Reyes. He's almost like kind of like Alex Reyes of the American League. Very similar command and control issues, big time fastball, big time, you know, breaking ball, a lot of strikeout stuff. But so, first off, do you think with uh, Kopech, do you think he's a starter or a reliever long term? First off, we'll start, we'll start with that. It's probably 50-50, but I actually lean bullpen. I think him and Crochet yep. are, could be a dominant duo in that oh, bullpen. They've filthy, got Hendricks yeah. locked up as well. So that's that could be a really fun bullpen, man. And I think, like you mentioned, I think his stuff plays up with a fastball slider there. I've, he struggled to develop the changeup, which I think is pretty critical for a starter. And the command, you know, it's pretty rough. Uh, he's proved the control a little bit the last time we saw him pitch, obviously. But, you know, this year, from what we've seen so far, it's been eh, it's been okay. Not not great. But I do think he ends up in the bullpen. I think that's probably where he plays best, which is crazy because, he you know, he's one of the best starting pitching prospects in the game at one point. And this goes to show you the risk, man. I'm telling you there's so, many, so much risk with pitching prospects in dynasty leagues because a lot of them can end up in the pen. That's not to say that Kopech will be – you know, not as valuable if he's a reliever. He could be extremely valuable if you're in a saves hold leagues. I don't see him yep. getting you know saves anytime soon with as long as Hendricks is there because they're paying the man to to close. But yeah, you know, with his skill set, with the strikeout stuff, like he could be really, really good and a player that you want for a save hold league. So yeah, I I think that I don't know. I struggle to think that they don't try to develop him as a starter, but I do think that both him and crochet end up in the, in the pen long-term. Yeah. And as a Red Sox fan, I would feel a lot better if Kopech ends up as a reliever trading him in that Chris sale deal. I feel a little bit better about that deal, even though that deal did bring us Chris sale and the 2018 world series. That sale was a big part of, you know, long-term I'll, I'll ask you about, so I'll say mine first. I'll ask you long-term who you hire on Reyes or Kopech. For me, I'm a little higher on Alex Reyes. Obviously, he has a clear path to saves. He's already getting save opportunities now. And you just look at Alex Reyes' stuff, and I'm, this is no slight to uh, Kopech's stuff, obviously. But Reyes is, is absolutely filled. I think he's actually got a slightly better overall arsenal than Kopech does. He sits in last year in 2020, fastball averaged 97.5 miles per hour, and then he has the two just absolutely filthy breaking balls, the mid-80s slider, low-80s curveball, both of which had a whiff rate above 45%. The curveball had a whiff rate of 57.9%. All three fastball slider curve had put away rates above 20%, with the slider having a 32% put away rate. Uh, so I lean towards Reyes. I've always been a big Reyes guy, you know, dating back to when he was arguably one of the top pitching prospects in baseball. I think he actually was the top pitching prospect in baseball on some publications that you know few, several years ago before everything kind of went awry with him. Obviously, they both have insane amounts of risk, right? They both have both with the command control issues. They both had have had off the field kind of between the ears issues where, you know, that's kind of hindered their progression at times. So obviously, there's a lot of risk there. But these are the types of guys, you know, this is why I wrote up the article a year and a half ago 
or so called the Nasty Nine, where I went over nine guys kind of like this. A lot of them were former top starting pitching prospects that kind of failed out because of command issues. If you don't want to pay up for saves or relievers in general and want to get some potential elite guys, especially if you have the depth to do this, you know, get guys like this, right, early. Obviously, it'll cost you a little bit to get Kopech and Reyes, but guys like Corbin Martin, J.B. Bukowskis, maybe a Shane Boz, types like that that have that relief risk, Braylon Marquez even, Shane McClanahan. So you could hit on a few of those guys and have a couple elite relievers on your hands that you don't have to pay a ton for. Like You don't have to pay up you know, to get Liam Hendricks or Josh Hader or Edwin Diaz. So that, that's the way I go about it. But, Chris, over to you. You kind of agree with that kind of mindset? And then, again, who do you like more long-term between Kopech and Reyes? Yeah, no, I definitely agree because – a lot of pitching prospects will end up in the pen. So you have a chance to get some, you know, elite guys. If you held Reyes for this whole time, like, you know, at some point someone probably looked at you and thought you were dumb for holding on to him still, <laughs> but he's paying off now. <laughs> you, know, you can start him and he can be in your pen. He's going to get you some saves and he's got good stuff. And you mentioned the arsenal, like he's got the good breaking pitch. I think he's got a good change too, honestly. Like he does yeah. change. His change doesn't get as much credit as I think it deserves, or at least the potential that it has. I think it's got good potential. I think he just doesn't use it enough, honestly. Like he only, he yeah. only threw. Let me pull it back up. He only threw it. Yeah, he only threw it fifteen times total last year. Four point one percent usage. I think he used it a little more because yeah. it did get hit really hard last year. But it shows good action on it. So yeah, I think yeah, I think it's a, more of a usage thing. But yeah, that's fair. But uh, I mean, I think he's got better command than Kopech as well. And when you see the sum of all those parts, yeah, you know, I do think that he ends up being the better of the two. But you know, Kopech again, he's got the stuff. He's got those two pitches that could really, really play up in a a one inning scenario in the bullpen. So you know, either is really a coin flip for me. But I do think that Reyes has the better arsenal and probably better command. So kind of lean that way. All right, yes, we both lean Reyes. All right, so I'm going to throw out some other names that we just kind of talked about. You just say if you like them more or less than these two, or right in the middle. AJ Puck. Less. Agreed. Garrett Crochet. Uh, Probably more, actually. Yeah. I think think Crochet I'd have around Copac. I think I like Reyes still a bit more. but it's uh, close. Yeah. A, he's a huge. I'm just waiting. I think his arm's going to blow up at any given moment, which is yeah. scary. But I, I agree I there. Think he's he's like close, but slightly ahead of both those for me. Okay, I, I'd have him slightly behind, at least behind Reyes. He's close with yeah. with Kopech. How about uh, Shane McClanahan? Behind both. Behind, yeah. Shane Boz behind. Yep. Uh, and McClanahan are similar boats. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of any more names here. That'd be good for this. <laughs> That's probably it. Uh, yeah, I'm out of names here. Unless you can think of, <laughs> you, do you have any more names you can think of that are kind of like this type of mold? Braylon Marquez. You mentioned him, I think. Behind. Yeah, I'd have him he's, behind. He's close. I don't know. I have a lot of concerns about him. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of sneaky good guys like this. If no one, not everybody can start. You know, not everybody can start, especially these guys with these command and control issues. But there's a lot of potentially good up-and-coming young relievers here that we just mentioned that you could get for fairly cheap in Dynasty League. So if you want to build your bullpen that way, I think that's not a bad way to go about it. Moving over here to another pros- former top prospect that's kind of floundered out in the major leagues, Victor Robles. 
went from being a top 10 prospect to having a really good first season on the surface or first full season on the surface with the counting stats, but the underlying metrics were kind of like, all right, was that for real? And then those continued and the surface stats plummeted. So his value plummeted in dynasty leagues, but looked really, really good in spring training. Probably gonna hit lead off this year if he, you know, if he hits and obviously he'll have to hit the stake there, but uh, looks like he might hit lead off for the most part this year in front of Soto and Trey Turner and Schwarber, Josh Bell. So his value is kind of t- trending back up. Where where are you right now on Victor Railways? Are you were you still a believer even when he was bad? And, and are you believing in what he showed in spring training? I was kind of fading him last year, but this year I think it created a really good buying opportunity. And so I found myself with a lot of shares. I made a trade in D1S uh, 30 Rock League. And I moved Chris Paddock for him straight up last week. And I feel that's really good. good about that. That's a good move, especially with how Paddock's he, he doesn't look that good this year either. That's, that was a good move, I think. Really good yeah. move. Yeah, Sal, you know, I like Paddock. I think there's upside, but I don't, he just, he's lost it and he just doesn't have it right now. But yeah, uh, Robles last year gained a good bit of muscle weight and it caused him to really lose some sprint speed. Like his sprint speed dropped by 1.3 seconds. Uh, from 2019 to 2020. That's a, that's and, substantial. Right. That's a big, big difference. And then in the process of adding all that muscle, like he didn't even add like any exit <laughs> loss. The power wasn't there. It, it was, I mean, it, we, we always laugh about like the Victor Robles, like exit velocities. Cause he averaged like 82.2 last year. And they're like, and then people say, well, bunts factor in. I'm like, he doesn't bunt enough for it to matter. Right. You it, take out he, bunts, he was like one mile an hour. I wow, it, was, it, was, it was very minimal. 83.2. Wow. Woo! So yeah, that, that, that was a difference. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, his value dropped a lot and I thought it created a good buying opportunity. And then, you know, he looked good in the spring. Obviously we haven't seen him play this year. Like who knows if he had COVID. We, we don't even know what's going on. They're not even playing today as you're listening to this. So <laughs> yeah, when are we going to get to see Robles and Soto and those guys? You know, I'm ready. Not soon enough. My fantasy team needs them, but yeah, I think that, Outside of the raw power, I think that Robles has like all the tools that you look for in a player that makes a good ball player. I mean, he's excellent center fielder. He's a good base runner. He makes good quality contact for the most part. He can hit the gaps well. And so I think there's a lot to like here. And I think even if he's just a 15 home run guy, I think he's a can be a solid fantasy contributor. And, you know, we forget that he was like by some services ranked right there with Acuna as a, a prospect. Yeah. And so – you know, a lot of guys had him right there, you know, flip-flopped or one-two. And so there's the talent. Like, he has the po- the prospect pedigree, you know. We just need him to show it. And it looked like he was starting to show that in 2019. And then last year was just absolutely atrocious. So, you know, could he – I mean, in 2019, he hit 17 almost. Could he get to 20? Possibly. Could he steal you 30 bases? Definitely. You know, I don't think we're looking at, like, a an impressive hit tool anymore. Like, you know – I thought he was plus at one point as a prospect. I don't ever see him hitting like 260, really. I think he's probably a 260 guy. I don't see him hitting much better than that. But still, I think there's a lot of value there, even if he does hit 260. If he can give you 15, 20 home runs and steal 30 bases, that's extremely valuable for fantasy. Yeah, I think people just went too overboard, like they reacted too much to his kind of subpar metrics. And kind of, he was kind of valued like, Oh, he, he's gonna be junk. That's what everyone kind of thought. Like, oh, Victor always is junk. He's a bust. He's still young, and like you mentioned, even if I don't think he's gonna ever live up to what we might have thought he could be as a prospect, 
But even if it's, you know, in between what he what we thought he could be, what he has been so far, that's still, like you mentioned, very, very valuable. The speed alone, yeah, it was kind of funny where his sprint speed has dropped so much. And, like, you look at that from the percentile rankings where he was in 2017, 100th percentile sprint speed, 2018, 95th, 2019, 95th, 2020, like, still good. It was 78th percentile, but that's, like, a big jump. And this is a guy that was an elite speed, like, 70-grade speed guy in the minor leagues. But even – I'm really in agreement with you here. Like, even at, you know, 260, 270, 15 or so home runs, 25 steals, that's still not many – there's not many 15, 25 guys in baseball and just that speed in general with how, you know, there's less and less speed every year. There's less of those elite speed guys. You know, these are the guys I like to target when they can just give me some speed, you know, everywhere I can find it. And Robles is very valuable in that, in that aspect. Like, I don't think that speed's ever going away. Even if he's never gets back to the 70 grade speed guy that he was, I still think 20 plus is very, very easily attained. With Victor Robles, is a great athlete, still very fast guy, even if he's not quite what he was three, four years ago. And it's adding double-digit power. And I think that's – I don't think the power that he showed in the minor leagues was a fluke. I just think that he's not ever going to be a guy that wows you on StatCast. Right? I, think, I think people kind of look at StatCast too much at times. Obviously, it's important. I'm not saying it's not. I use StatCast, Savant, everything a lot in my analysis, but – I think sometimes when you look at Stackass and you know maybe it's not lighting up red at you, people kind of take that too much and take that too far. I think that's the case with Robles. But yeah, he's looked like crap on Stackass. Like if you looked at just Stackass and nothing else, you just look at those the sliders, the percentile sliders, you'll be like, oh, this guy's junk. But he can do a lot more than you know just hit for power. So I think there's a great buy low opportunity for Victor Robles. I think that buy low opportunity is still there too. Like it's closing a little bit. Obviously, with how he looked this spring, and you saw that with you know his redraft ADP kind of skyrocketed the last couple of weeks of March on NFBC. But there's still a good buy opportunity there. I have him. I moved him back up. Apparently, where I have him here, my dynasty ranks. I have him at this very very second, 99th overall. Um, so I put him back into the top 100, which I think is a fair range for what he's capable of. You know, right in the same range uh, for outfielders as. Uh, who's in that range for me? Jody Martinez, Nick Castellanos, uh, Dom Smith, Kevin Biggio, kind of in that range. Chris Bryant. Uh, I think I think he's still a top 100 guy long term. So uh, definitely buying what I've seen from Robles this spring because that's what we saw from Robles a handful of years ago. That was the reason why he was valued as a top five, top 10 prospect, basically universally. But let's move on from Robles here into some who you got. We got six kind of debates here. All guys that play the same position, uh, except for one, but they're similar players. Uh, so we're still to the debate here, who we got long-term for Dynasty Leagues. All very intriguing names. Let's start with a pair of young pitchers who made their debuts last year. Mr. Chris Clegg, who you got long-term for Dynasty, Ian Anderson or Sixto Sanchez? And this isn't a biased pick because I'm a Braves fan, but I'm picking Ian Anderson. He's, I don't know, he's just so talented, man. I think, again, we didn't give him the credit he deserved as a prospect. People are still, I saw people on Twitter yesterday citing, his command's terrible, he walks too many people. Can we get over this? Like, a 10% walk rate is totally okay. Corbin Burns walked 10% of his batters last year. Like, come on, he's okay. I'm not worried about that. 
Anderson's always had the strikeout stuff. The changeup is probably a 70 grade pitch in my book. I think it's that good. I think the command is, you know, improving. I thought he showed improved command last year. And in his, you know, he started today, actually, or yesterday as you're listening to this. And, you know, he was fine. He wasn't great. And he walked two batters over five innings, struck out seven, allowed one earn. But I don't know, man. I just think that he's got more strikeout stuff than Sixto. Sixto obviously has better command than Anderson. So from that standpoint, but I, I'm just going with Anderson. I do think that he's just he's got he's got it. And I think that it's something that we kind of neglect as a prospect. And you know, he his only time he struggled was when he debuted in AAA when they called him up in 2019, and he had he only pitched 24 innings, had a six five seven ERA. Other than that, his entire professional career has just been dominant. And I think that that's the picture we see consistently. And so he's still young. I mean, he's going to turn 23 next month, but still like he's, he dominated last year. He dominated in the postseason against some really talented offenses. And I think it just continues and it continues long-term. So I like both guys, but I got Anderson who you got. So if you asked me this two months ago, I had Sixto ahead. Now I have moved Anderson ahead. It's still very close. Yeah. But for some of the reasons you mentioned, I think like the higher K rate with Anderson, even though I do think that Sixto's K rate can tick up, he has the stuff. Like he has the really good changeup, the good slider, obviously the great fastball. But I think he has the stuff to in the command to have that K rate tick up. But I think Anderson will always have a higher strikeout rate. He's always been a big K guy in the minor leagues. With you know the curveball and the changeup and the good fastball, really good three pitch pitch mix. So maybe you know, obviously, maybe Sixto has the slightly better ratios long term because of the command. But I, I don't think it'll be a big gap in the ratios, but there'll be an even bigger gap in the K rate. So I think long term they're both very close. But I do have Anderson higher as well. Let me ask you this: kind of like a bonus question here for this particular one. Because we've, we've seen, obviously, for a while, it was Mackenzie Gore as a top-pitching prospect, and now these two have kind of entered that discussion. I've seen some places put Sixto ahead of Gore. Same thing with Anderson ahead of Gore. If you had to throw Gore into this debate here, how would you rank the three long-term? I mean, honestly, it's gotten pretty close, and that's it has. You know, kind of crazy to say. Like, I never thought that I would say that. But I don't know. I still give the edge to Gore just slightly. I'd say Gore, Anderson, Sixto, but it's all really close. I mean, and my dynasty rankings, I don't know. I'm pretty sure they're within probably 10 to 15 spots total. So yep, it's, it's pretty here. close. Yeah, I got both. I got Anderson, uh, where do I have him? first second, 85th. I have Sixto, 89th, which I'll probably drop him a little bit here before I put these out there. And I have Gore is 65. So yeah, so I do have Gore a little bit ahead here, but this has gotten pretty close, like, like you mentioned. So, um, yeah, I think we, we agree here on Ian Anderson. Two more pitches here, more more established, well, slightly more established, not like they're old or anything. Jack Flaherty and Corbin Burns. I'll go first on this one because I just made this flop. I've moved Corbin Burns way up. I have moved Flaherty down, and I don't think Flaherty's bad because I think I put a tweet out there the other day, a couple of days ago, about Jack Flaherty in his uh, roughly 100 innings in 2019 second half, where he was just like unhittable, ERA under one. And then looking at comparing that to what he's done the rest of his career, which has not been great. And yes, I guess that can kind of be a little bit unfair because, you know, he was a rookie and, you know, he's a young player. But at the same time, 
he has not been the ace that he kind of gets valued as for both redraft and dynasty, right? Like I just pulled up 2019 second half, 99 and a third innings pitched, 091 ERA, 072 whip, 6.3% walk rate, 33.9% K rate. Rest of his career, 314 innings, so no longer a small sample size. 4.27 ERA, 1.2 whip, 9.1 walk rate, and 27.7% K rate. So again, 30 is good. Like I'm not saying he's not good, and I'm saying he stinks or anything like that. But Corbin Burns, and you look at what he did the other night. I know it's just one start, but Corbin Burns continued his onslaught from last year. He's absolutely filthy. He's got the five-pitch arsenal. That's just four of them are absolutely just filth offerings. That cutter last night could not be touched. So I think I think maybe the K rate could be some more. I think Flirty's still a high K rate guy. But I think Burns is going to have a lower ratio, so maybe even a bit higher of a K rate. So obviously Flirty a little, has a little bit of command and control than Burns does, but not by a lot. Like you look at the rest of his career, 9.1%. Last year, Burns with that 10% walk rate. So it's not like there's a big gap in the command control profile between the two. But long-term, I could give the edge to Corbin Burns. What do you think? I still lean Flaherty. I think it's, again, it's gotten close, which is crazy. I didn't think this would happen. But right. <laughs> I still believe in Flaherty. I mean, you look at last year from the surface, and it was rough. He had a 4.91 ERA, 1-2-1 whip. But you take out that one start. That he had where he allowed nine earned runs and his ERA drops to, to 315. So pretty solid. And that's, you know, kind of been in line where he was in 2018 and 2019. He was 334 in 2018, 275 in 2019. So then you see throwing a 315 there hypothetically and it's pretty solid. Burns has got the stuff, man. Burns is just downright filthy. And like you mentioned, I don't know, I think Burns probably I don't know the strikeout edge it is pretty close. I mean Flaherty's post near thirty percent. Burns maybe above thirty percent. We'll see. It'd be a lot of fun to watch that. But Flaherty still probably gets the edge command wise. It's pretty close and closer than I want to say because I've got several shares of Flaherty and and I traded away Burns in a, a couple leagues, which kind of hurts now. But, you know, I'm still slightly leaning Flaherty. So we'll split that one. Yeah, so we, we split that one. Moving on to the next one here. This might be the most fun one of the of the six we have here. A couple of young sluggers. I'll let you go first on this one. Yoron Alvarez or Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Who you got long-term? Man, I don't know. This one is really tough. When you just look at the like pedigree standpoint, they're actually pretty similar, like from a tool standpoint as well. Like when we look at the prospect pedigree, you see like a guy, both guys capable of hitting 300 at some points, and they both have immense raw power. And I'm slightly leaning Jordan. Uh, you look at what he's done when he's been healthy, and he's just been downright nasty like you saw how hard he hit that ball the other day that he hit out the raw power is immense i'm not denying that vlad doesn't have that raw power either but vlad again i hate to keep beating this dead horse but the launch angle man he's too many ground balls and i don't know i I could see them being similar players i really could i might give jordan the edge batting average wise and i think that he could hit more home runs as well and so I think it's probably fairly close, and it is very close. I've actually still got flat ahead of him in my dynasty rankings, but I don't know. I'm, I'm going Jordan here. 
that, that's my dude, and he's been killing it. So I'm going to go with it. Most everybody that knows me should know where I'm going with this. I'm going Jordan as well. And, and I can kind of simplify it as with this one question. Isn't Jordan Alvarez what we're hoping Vlad can do? <laughs> like, Jordan has already done it. You know, I think they have similar profiles with hit the hit tool, you know, batting average and power long term. But we're hoping that Vlad, you know, kind of gets that launch angle to the point where Jordan already has it, where he can elevate, he can drive the ball in the air consistently. Vlad has not shown he can do that. He's shown it in glimpses, but not consistently. And that's but then knock on him in general. You know, I guess you can say they both have equal health slash durability concerns. Vlad with the weight, even though he dropped a lot of it this year, that's great. Jordan with the knees. So there's, there's a lot of similarities here, which is kind of like why there are only a few spots away from each other in my rankings. Right now I have Jordan 21 and Vlad 24, but you know Jordan is about a year and a half older than Vlad is. Vlad's just turned 22. Jordan's approaching 24 here, 23 and a half or so. But like I said, I think Jordan is what we're hoping that Vlad can be, and who knows if Vlad ever gets that launch angle consistently up to where Jordan is. And I, I do think that Jordan is slightly better average hitter in, in OBP as well. So even if Vlad gets that power and that launch angle up and gets up to where Jordan is power-wise, I still think Jordan will have the edge there. So you know, best-case scenario, I think Vlad is a tick under Jordan. But this this could be a bit, a bit wider if you if Vlad never figures it out and is only like a twenty five homer guy while Jordan's hitting forty plus, which he's already shown he can do. Like he came up and was arguably the best hitter in the American League in twenty nineteen after he uh, debuted in early June. Like he was top five in everything that measures quality of contact, like hard hit rate, exit velocity, bail rate, ex wobicon, everything you can think of, slugging, ISO. Whatever it was, if it if it was a good hitting metric, Jordan ranked super high in it, top five in his rookie year, which is super impressive. So yeah, I give the edge to Jordan here as well. But that that's no slight to Vlad. I think Vlad's gonna figure it out to the degree where we thought he was going to be. I don't know. I don't think he's gonna be like a three thirty hitter or anything like that. But maybe two eighty to three hundred. I definitely think he can still have some three hundred seasons in him. He showed that context skills in the minor leagues, but. I definitely would go Jordan here as well. Move over to third base here, and I think this is one we're going to disagree on, but I think it's going to be close. Cabrian Hayes or Alec Bohm? Who you got? Yeah, this is the one I looked at on the sheet and said I knew we'd be split. So I'm going Cabrian Hayes. Uh, I feel like it's every podcast I've mentioned him, but yeah, it kind of sucks. I don't. I don't. Have they said what's going on with his injury? I don't. They just. I know they put him on the IL today. I saw. I don't yeah. think it's super in. I think it was more like a, you know, let's be cautious with him. We don't want to rush yeah. him back type of thing. I don't think it's anything too serious, though. Yeah, that makes sense. And I don't know. I love the skill set that he brings. I think it's different than most guys that at third base position, like a guy that can hit 300, uh, capable of 20 plus home runs. And this is where I will admit that I was wrong. I didn't think the power would come. I never saw it as a prospect. So, you know, yep, again, let's be willing to admit when we're wrong. And we've both have said that a couple of times, like we, we underrated that power and you watched how hard he's hit the ball last year, how hard he hit the ball this spring, hit a, a mammoth home run. I think it was the first day of the season actually. And so the power I think is legit. I think it's 20 plus. And I think he's got 300 batting average capabilities and he can steal you 10 to 15 bags. Plus he plays gold glove third base. Like, 
He's going to be – the only negative is that his lineup context is horrendous. It's just not good at all. And so you you look at limited RBI and run opportunities there. But the skill set that Hayes brings to the table is very unique, and I think that's why I give him the edge, even though I like Alec Bohm a lot. But you know, I'm taking Hayes, and then he's been – a guy I'm continually moving up and hopefully he gets back healthy soon and we see him back on the rise. Cause man, very, very talented. Yeah. I, I agree with, with that last sentiment there. And, you know, another spoiler alert, I'm giving him a lot of my rankings away here, but I said, Hayes is now 100 in my rankings. And last update in February, he was 160. And I admit I was wrong on Hayes or, you know, I didn't value him as high as I should, I should say. So I agree. I didn't think that the power would develop to the point where it has, and I still think he's a elite power guy. I don't think he's a star in the, an all star caliber. You know, every year all star. I think he could get some all stars in his career, but he's not a superstar in the making or a stud fan for fantasy purposes. But definitely, I've warmed up a lot to Cabrian Hayes. But I still have Bohm. Actually, I have him exactly ten. And the reason for that, I'd give Bohm the edge in both hit tool and power. I think Bohm. Well, it's close. I think Bohm will hit for a little bit higher average and OBP. I think that he'll have, you know, five to 10 more home runs a year. I think while Hayes will be in like the low 20s at 20 and 25 range, I think Bohm will be at 25 to 30, maybe sticking over 30, you know, as, as we get further along into their careers. Obviously, where Hayes has the advantage is speed. So I could say that, let's look at, you know, average slash OBP, power and speed. I'd say you almost can call that a wash. But then, as you alluded to, the lineups are just so different. Like right now, Bohm's hitting between Andrew McCutcheon, uh, Rice, Reese Hoskins, Bryce Harper, JT Riamuto, DD Gregorius. He's hitting right in the middle of all of that. And right now, like, I bet you I, I could throw out a tweet like, who is Cabrian Hayes hitting in the middle of? I don't think people could figure <laughs> it out. No, that's no, that's no insult to anybody, but it's just more of an insult to Pittsburgh because they have nobody in that lineup where Hayes is already the best hitter in that lineup by far. Like who would you say is the second best hitter in that lineup? Like Colin Moran, Probably. Gregory, Gregory Polanco, who's never on the field. Yeah. I don't know. Like Adam Frazier, capable <laughs> Kevin but... Newman. Like these are all guys that you throw them on, you know, some of the teams that we think will make deep playoff runs. They're probably not starting on a lot of those teams. Like is Kevin Newman starting on, you know, the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Padres? No. Is Adam Frazier starting on a good team? No. Is Polanco? No. Is Moran? No. So I think that's why I get bone the edge because even if you kind of – that's just for this year, but looking forward, I don't know. I think that you could make it an easy case that for the next at least handful of years, Philly will probably have the better lineup because Pittsburgh does have some intriguing hitting prospects, but – they're going to need a lot to come up around that lineup. So that's why I still do lean Alec Baum. But I agree, it has gotten very close and a lot closer than I thought it was. And I definitely have warmed up to Cabrian Hayes. I think he's definitely a very, very good talent long term. Let's go to the other side of the diamond here. First base, a little bit lower on the talent spectrum here. But a couple of intriguing names that I've gotten asked a ton about the last few days. So I figured I'd throw them in here. I'll go first here. Nate Lowe or Bobby Dahlbeck. And as much as I love Bobby Dahlbeck, I go Nate Lowe, uh, who's on pace for 486 RBI this season, just for anybody wondering. Nine RBI in his first three games. Um, a couple of dongs, but uh, – no, just one dong. But 
I go low for the reason he's safer, 100% safer. Dahlbeck has more power. He could be a 40-home run guy if everything clicks. Well, low is probably, you know, 25-ish, give or take. And Dahlbeck has the better hitter's park for power as well. Texas isn't as much of a hitter's park as it used to be. It's actually more of a pitcher's park now, which is just weird. It's always been a hitter's park. Now it's more of a pitcher's park, so that's kind of odd. But Lowe has the much, much better hit tool. Lowe was a 300 career hitter in the minor leagues, 400 OBP. Doesn't walk quite as much as Dahlbeck, but the contact skills are just vastly better. It doesn't strike out quite as much, even though Lowe has had some strikeout issues of late in the major leagues. But I think he corrects those and probably has a K rate a good 10 to 12% below Bobby Dahlbeck. So for that reason, even though Dahlbeck will probably have the edge and power, I think the edge that Lowe brings in the batting average department and even run production because he'll hit in the middle of Texas's lineup. And even if Dahlbeck hits well, he's not moving ahead of sixth of the absolute best of, with the guys that Boston has. So for me, I go Nate Lowe. But how about you? Yeah, I think Lowe's just the more complete package. Now, if you're looking at like a OBP type format, then Dahlbeck gets kind of intriguing. And uh, the power is there and he posts pretty high on base rates which is encouraging and definitely something to look out for. But overall, like you mentioned, I think Lowe's just the more complete player. And I think for fantasy purposes, I think that he ends up being the more valuable piece. Yeah, I agree there. Our last one here before we get out of here, let's go with some prospects, both shortstops, or at least as of now, shortstops, and both had very, very good spring trainings. C.J. Abrams or Bobby Witt Jr.? Chris, you go first. Who you got there? <laughs> Come on, man. This is such a <laughs> tough one. And this has been the age-old debate since the draft. Like, we would go back to the draft, their draft class, and everybody was debating who it was, who was, who was better. <sighs> Witt has all the hype in the world. But I think I give the edge to Abrams because the stolen base upside – Abrams showed the developing power. Like this spring, we saw him go oppo home runs. Like he wasn't supposed to have that kind of power. He was hitting the ball hard. He's got speed like to steal 30-plus bags. And I think with the hit tool, you're looking at like a potential Trey Turner type player. And now please don't hear that and say, I think he's going to become Trey Turner. There's probably a slim chance that happens. But that's the upside. And even though Witt has – immense upside too. I think that Abram's speed and hit tool gives him the edge because he does have a, a better hit tool, in my opinion, slightly more speed. And so even though Witt may get the edge in the power department, I think power is just a more replaceable stat for fantasy. And for that reason, I lean Abrams. But again, this is extremely close. I've gone back and forth. I've juggled them, moved them around rankings. But I think that right now where I stand, I'm leaning towards Abrams. Yep, I agree. And as of right now, my latest update, I have Abrams. I moved him up to fourth and Witt up to fifth. So they're back-to-back. Can't really go wrong with either answer. But I definitely agree that the speed is the determining factor here. And the development of Abrams' power is just well, – I, I think he has the edge in two of the three kind of fantasy tools, as I call them, hit, you know, hit power, speed. I still, I, Wit, I think, is above average hit tool, 55 grade. Abrams is plus power, wits plus. Abrams is probably around 50 grade that, long term. And then speed wise, wit is plus. But, you know, who knows? If he develops into more of that middle of the order type bat, 
maybe the you know the speed or how much he wants to run kind of kind of ticks down a little bit. We'll see. But Abrams is 70 grade or better in the speed department. This could be a 35, 40 steel guy, which there's only really one of those left right now. And that's, you know, if you look at ATC perceptions, only had one player getting above 35 this year, and that was Alba Mondesi. Everyone else is kind of like in the low 30s or high 20s behind Mondesi. So I think Abrams has the chance to have that game-changing elite speed. And maybe it's on that shortstop. We've kind of talked about that probably more, obviously, won't be shortstop if, you know, as long as Tatis Jr. is alive. So second base, center field, whatever. But so, yeah, that, that might, isn't as quite as sexy as shortstop. But even at second base, I think his profile actually looks better at second base. Still looks great wherever. It looked great in the outfield. Maybe not quite as good as second base because of the, of the depth at the positions. But I, I do give that slight edge to C.J. Abrams. But, again, Swinton Harris, they're both top five for me now. Both very exciting players. And I don't think – I don't think we see Abrams this year. He's from next year. Wit, we might. But then again, I think we were all reading too much into the GM's comments where I think he was just doing that more so. Well, there was some truth behind it. It was more so like, all right, let's give the fans some hope here that, you know, Wit is going to come up sooner rather than later and we're all going to be terrible for a while. So I, I don't think that they were really considering him for opening day. I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but maybe we see Wit later this year. But I think the real impact for both these guys will be 2022, but both very exciting talents nonetheless. But that's going to wrap us up. We hope everybody enjoyed this episode and that it was beneficial to you in your dynasty leagues. Again, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at Eric 4 Chris is at Roto Clegg, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed, and check out all the other great written work on FantraxHQ.com where you can find all of our work. We've been hauling through dynasty and prospect positional rankings along with our in-season content that's ramping up now. So check all of that out. And we will be back with you all again next week with more dynasty and prospect talk. But until then, everyone take care.